Welcome to this week's episode of Two Marks and an Eagle. We are going to be talking about AEW for both the 11th and the 13th. I am Jeremy Meadows, also known as J-Rat, and with I also have with me the Buddy Rogers and the Terry Gordy to my Michael Hayes, Adam and Peter. And here we go. We're doing a fantastic thing, huh? That was our best intro yet. <laughs> <laughs> what? But before, we, uh, before we get to that, uh, gentlemen, let us start with our beers of the week. Mm. Yes. Very excited about right. this. Since we are recording uh, late at night, I need a little pick-me-up, and I have decided to go with the Devil's Trumpet uh, Night Goat Coffee Stout Brew. It's a kind of a dark uh, beer, but it also has a... Really, it honestly tastes like an iced coffee, but it's not like super strong coffee. It's got like a an alcohol aftertaste. It's really good. So, as the Buddy Rogers of the group, I am drinking the Pompeii India Pale Ale tonight. Uh, something new I found and pretty good. It's kind of just your typical IPA. Nothing really special about it. It's just really good, and I enjoy it. Yeah, so um, like I said to you guys on Facebook, I'm super excited about the beer that I'm drinking today, but it is also kind of cheating. Um, so I'm drinking a homebrew. Um, okay. It is not mine. Uh, my buddy Kamal that I've talked about with you guys at least before um, makes his own. It's uh, Asphalt Ale, um, and I asked them to write me up something for it. Um, so the brewing company that he's creating, and if you know anything about Kamal, Yes, he's running this out of his mom's basement, but yes, he absolutely sells <laughs> six-packs. If you're in North Jersey and want to buy one, he's got a six-pack in his basement that he will sell to you. Um, so the brewing company that he's creating is called Igsol Beer, which is uh, an Ethiopian... Igsol is an Ethiopian word, um, which actually translates to Lord of the Nation. Um Kamau is a uh, first-generation American whose parents were from um, Jamaica. And he actually has dual citizenship in both the United States and Jamaica. And many of his family are very into the Rastafarian religion. So the... Uh, Safarian? Uh, Rastafarian? No, it's a joke. Pastafarianisms. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, it's it's their word for God. Um, so it's a it's an amber ale that is pretty good. Um, he added extra malt to it, so it's very very malty. Um, but it's pretty good. It's about five and a half six percent alcohol. Not terrible. It's a long ass description for a beer, Pete. I know, but my <laughs> friend made it. I had to have a long description. <laughs> 
hey, you know what? It's all good. Yeah. Especially since we're going to need to drink a lot for this week in AEW. Man, I drink a lot to watch Dynamite this week. Oh, this boy. So bad. Oh. All right. Now, first off, is it just me or does the elite seem to have different music every week now? Oh, no. They, they seem to come out to different music all the time. No. So they have different music for the different um, tag matches they have. So this wasn't the Young Bucks. This was uh, the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So this right, is but, what, the la- but the last week they came out, they came out to completely different music. And then the week before, they came out to the space, you know, the song for Space Jam. Right. Well, like, I mean, the Space Jam was obviously a gimmick one. But when it's just Kenny Omega and the Bucks, this is always the song they come out to. It's, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm just used to the Bucks music, and I haven't heard that for like a month and a half now. And it, it all keeps changing. Yeah. I mean, they all suck. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Also, uh... Did anybody else notice that there was almost no audience noise the entire time the Elite was coming out? Like, nobody cared. Well, they booed them very, very not, heavily. In not that. as much as they should. <laughs> That's really funny, because my note is straight up. And then the Elite comes out to booze. Take that, Jeremy. <laughs> I, I, I put very few boos at all. They aren't getting a reaction. So I mean, <laughs> but they didn't get a cheer. And you, you've always complained that the AEW crowd cheers for anything because they're clapping seals, and they well, absolutely no, they cheered for daily. Omega. Yeah. Well, they also weren't in Daly's place too. That might also be a reason. Um, my, my first, uh, my first note was uh, when they were coming out. I'm like, I love how Jared just lied to everybody when he said Kenny Omega was the greatest wrestler <laughs> in the world because he's on record in other interviews saying he's not. Well, I mean, that's his character. Um, yeah, it just, it's funny to me. I'm like, consistency, JR. Consistency. I just put, oh, look, Mike Knox not doing shit again. <laughs> then followed by Spot Monkey, Spot Monkey rocking everywhere. <laughs> I don't know how JR hates Mike Knox, Mike Knox as much as we do, because he clearly is just trashing him on because TV. Because there's, there's no way you can watch that match and say he's uh, any sort of professional at all. Yeah. He's... He just stands there. And that that's the thing I really hated about the, this whole show was the elite and their buddies getting to do their stuff. Because this whole match was meant to put over Top Flight Kid. But Top Flight Kid is one of the best buddies with the Bucks. That's all this show was meant for, was just them getting to... like If, if anything shows that this is just a New World Order promotion, it's this. Because that's all this was. I... <sighs> See, I completely disagree with you guys. I think this match was incredible. Now, it was I don't disagree with you about Rick Knox or the officiating throughout AEW in general. Rick Knox is by far the worst, but they are by far the worst initi- um, refereeing crew uh, in wrestling right now. I was, however, driving um, to get dinner earlier and listening to some Philly radio where they were bitching about referees in a baseball game or something. And thinking specifically about this match and what kind of came to mind is and i don't know this to be true but i wonder if the way AEW books matches is the referee is aware of the outcome and the length of the match but they don't really tell the referee the choreography of what's happening and the referees are kind of instructed to allow it to go to a certain point 
and then we get different referees that decide at what level has it gone too far. But they don't know going in, okay, at some point Kenny Omega is going to run in, and then when he does, everybody's going to come in, and you're going to have to clear the ring. Because when that happens, the referees just stand back and throw their arms up as if they can't do anything. And it's right, like, this but, is when you're supposed to be doing your job. But that's why they have the count. That's why you have the five count after a tag. That's why you have the 10 count out of the ring. But they don't do it. They just let all six guys do whatever, and he just stands there. And I'm like, that. these aren't the rules. I, this, And this was just a huge problem. He lets everybody in. They do all their spots. And when there's not a spot happening, literally everyone just stands around. And it's infuriating to watch. The spots aren't bad. Like, obviously, they everybody is is skilled in what they're doing. So it's not a shit match because they're terrible at it. It's just a shit match watching it because the flow of it is just atrocious. It, nothing flows correctly, and it's and it's just to just to do high spots left and right. And anything else, they're just like it doesn't matter. And it's it's so terrible to watch i just hated it and the only thing worse than this one was probably the matt hardy match i because there was even because there was even more people involved in that one yeah but at least with that one you didn't have half the team in the match just staying there standing oh yeah yeah literally the sidells got off of the ring apron they didn't get hit they literally just jumped down off the ring apron and stood there for at least a solid minute, just watching. It's. And I they didn't I even try to break up the pin when you knew he was going to get pinned. Yeah, it like was, they just stood there and watched. It's like this was a wasted match and wasted time. And like, the only it, thing it was meant to do was make the the young kid who's friends with the Bucks look good because he got all the biggest spots. He had to get the triple team attack to get pinned. It was just to make their friend look good. Yeah. Like, I think it looked I think he looked really good. And I mean I think this match was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it from beginning to end. I hated this match and I've been trying to keep an open mind when it comes to a lot of the young bucks and Kenny Omega stuff, but this the last couple of weeks with their six man stuff, it's just all this is doing is they're just inflating their egos more than what it already is. And and you know me, I've been trying to defend AEW since its inception i've i've been really going to back and trying to say okay this didn't work but they can work on it and they can do this and i the flaws are just too obvious now like this i can't excuse anything and that i saw in this there's it's funny because people are trying to defend everything saying that oh well you know tony khan is doing all the booking and he's the one that's in charge of it and like there's no way that these three guys have no input on the booking and everything else. There's no way, absolutely no way. As executive vice presidents, yeah, no. And being always the first ones out so that they can get their shit in first. Like, yeah. I don't believe that they have no input on the matches and what's going on in the rest of the company. Like, I, mean, I hate to get on this tangent, but I was arguing with somebody on Facebook earlier this week about how FTR is being buried because of the Young Bucks. And they've basically done nothing since they've come into the company. Except for the one good match they had against right. LAX like, 2.0. Right. And the, the guy that was arguing with me about it was saying that he's like, you know, what do you mean they're being buried? They've 
they've been winning matches and they're in a you know a big storyline like as a group, not as a tag team. As a tag team, they were buried by the Bucks as soon as they had that match for the title, and they haven't done jack shit since then. They had one match with LAX that was really good. Other than that, they're not doing anything. They're sitting around doing promos. And even then, we barely see him on a week-to-week basis on Dynamite. Like, you can't tell me that the Bucks aren't responsible for that when they're in charge of the tag team division. Like, it's just... I wanted this to be better than what it is. And I hope it does. I hope it gets better. I wanted this to be something that I enjoyed. And it's... It's very streaky on a week-to-week basis on whether or not I enjoy this show. And I don't know if that's more to do with Tony Khan and the booking side or if that's more with the Bucks and Omega. Like, I don't know all the backstage dynamics and everything. I don't know what's the cause of it, but some weeks are really, really good. And some weeks like this are just god-awful. On a lighter note, uh, <laughs> when Don Callis was talking, I put... Ooh, Pete's going to be pissed at Don for not knowing who the Penguins are. <laughs> what did he say about the Penguins? They, they were, he, I, he was talking about just how Philly, like, uh, they, like they, don't have, nobody, they don't have a good team or, or whatever. Or like, talking, I think they were talking about the stadium too, weren't they? He was talking about how Pittsburgh has nothing but a bunch of losers, nothing but oh, right. Pittsburgh. And they were like, you know, the Steelers, the Penguins, you know, all these world champions in sports. He was like, who the hell are they? I don't yeah, know. Like, this is I wrestling. Know talking about wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Um, once again, you are forgetting that I am from Philadelphia and not Pittsburgh. I hate Pittsburgh. I don't like the Penguins. I don't like the Steelers. I don't well, like what the else Pirates. Is, hang on, hang on. What else? What else? I mean, does Philly have their own hockey team? The Broadway Flyers. The Bullies, man. The Flyers. Oh, right. See? On, I'm huh? the sports guy. But anyway... Um, so the crowd was chanting, and again, I can't make out anything this crowd says, so Pete's going to have to translate everything uh, that you were talking about. So, I mean, during this, we got CM Punk chants, and then we got yeah, Daniel Bryan was, yes, yes, yes chant. Maybe uh, that's what I wasn't understanding. And then they started chanting Jagoff, which is oh, uh, yeah. a yeah. Pittsburgh thing. Yeah, it's a Pittsburgh catchphrase. We use it here a bit, but... We don't really call people jagoffs. That's not. It's more of a jack wagon around here than a jagoff. <laughs> to to um, include the Amish. Yeah. So you would know this better, Jeremy, because Pete, we've already proved you don't know entrance music. Um, <laughs> Christian's music he's using. That's the same from Impact, right? From like years ago when he was um, in the beginning track. Sound like it's the same tempo, but it does sound different. Um, okay. But yeah, the music and the lyrics are. I think exactly the same. Right. I mean, Chris uh, Noise makes it better. Then we have the Alistair Black promo. This is the best Alistair Black promo I have ever seen. I mean, I it's, didn't watch him at NXT at all, unfortunately. Um, uh, but I mean, honestly, it was probably the highlight of tonight. It was such a good promo. Um, <laughs> like, I put, honestly, this dude's already ready to be in the title picture with either with, I'd probably to start with TNT, like with Miro. I would love to see those two have a match together. He'll beat Christian for the Impact title. (laughs) Maybe. I hope not. uh, I don't care. It's Impact. Nobody fucking cares about Impact. The thing is, is this was the promo that made me feel like they have officially let Aleister Black out of the cage. They're letting Aleister Black be Aleister Black. And 
some of the things he was saying, like what he said, um, I'm going to make you feel so alone that you will only have your shadows to talk to. Or he said, and at one point you'll realize you've been arguing with God. Like it was so powerful. The things that he was saying and the way he was saying them, I really feel like they let the character free of the chains that he had being on the main roster in the WWE. And, and I I'm think, really excited to see what it is. And in hearing that promo, like I would love to hear the promos going back and forth between him and Miro. It's yeah. Kind of God, God's favorite champion versus the devil. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that would be an amazing, like back and forth promo situation. And I think it'd be a really good match too. Oh yeah. I would love to see that match. Yeah. Um, then right. we get to Dreg. <laughs> Dreg. It wasn't Dreg. I mean, in terms of like matches, this was way better than any of the six man tags, but I just Not don't much. <laughs> I I don't really have any notes over it. Um I one one Daniel uh, Gar Dan well, we should say what it is. Daniel Garcia versus Darby Allen. Yes. Uh, one note I had the only real note I had on this was that when he was walking to the ring, Daniel Garcia looked absolutely terrified. He looks scared really? as shit to be on TV. Huh? I Maybe didn't. Maybe that was just my take on it, but like, yeah, I didn't walking, see that at all. Kinda, like, I don't know. He looked like he was not ready to be on TNT. Like he was just scared of well, the moment. Remember, they're used to like NXT size crowds, and this was a sold-out arena, pretty much. Well, so, he's also. I mean, he's been. Has he even had? I don't know that this is the first. This is his first match on Dynamite. How long has he been with the company? I've never even heard of this dude. Well, I what him and Everrise left NXT, right? Who is he? It's, I've never I, heard of him. Uh, well, I mean, like with when they were like with Everrise, I only know them from NXT, and even then, I didn't see much of them at the time because I just wasn't. I was just too busy watching. So honestly, I don't know much about Daniel Garcia. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. I mean, was is two point supposed to be Everrise? Yeah, that's that's Everrise, but okay. obviously I they just watched, couldn't they couldn't use the name. I never seen Ever, I have never seen Everrise from NXT, so I don't know anything about either one any of these guys. And this yeah. is another place where NXT or NXT where AEW falls short is that they don't really explain shit. Like they're just they just show up and we're expected to know who they are. Yeah, and I mean that's okay for a jobber, but like when you've got a guy who's got an entrance, he's got cronies that come to the ring with him. You and know, they're messing with Darby Allen and and Sting, who I may not like them, but they're established people who those two we know, and they're talking these two these three guys up like we should know who they are. Like you need to explain this. Like that's very poor formatting, booking. I'm not sure where to where to put the blame on that one. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I I had a hard time finding figuring out who this guy was as well. Um, um he's also apparently only 22, so that's why he hasn't he hasn't been wrestling a lot that that we can see. Right, and I'm not saying that him being scared is a bad thing. I just I thought it looked very very obvious to me that he didn't he wasn't ready for being in front of this big of a crowd and on national television. Which I, I don't know why you say that because I I didn't see that at all. It was just a kind of regular match. wasn't 
terrible wasn't good, except I hate the fact Sting's getting paid to do nothing. He's always that's that's Sting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My note on on Sting in this match was Sting's just staring on like a disapproving father. <laughs> and that's all I got out of him through the whole thing. Yeah. He's just a disapproving what... dad. Uh so I don't really have any notes with backstage with the death triangle except for the fact of again going back to all of wrestling that's listening to us because we keep bitching about uh, Pac not being there. Look, Pac's back. <laughs> right. Not only that, but they're specifically talking about travel problems. Are the yeah, they are. They haven't showed <laughs> up. <laughs> maybe, um, we, maybe they're listening to us more than what we think. The 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 note I have about this promo is how Penta straight up says, "I want him first and then starts talking in Spanish, and then the fourth guy in Death Triangle, because triangles have four points, um, then <laughs> goes to translate Pentagon, and Pac stops him, and is like, no, you don't worry about that, I'll worry about that, and Pentagon was just like, yep, okay, I'll fall on the line, and it was like, no, you were so heated you couldn't even speak English anymore 30 seconds ago. Like, <laughs> what happened to that guy? <laughs> Right, and I really like Penta on the mic. Like, I wish he would talk more. And the fourth guy you're thinking of is Alex Abra- Alex Albrahantes, yes. and he's a Spanish announcer. He's a uh, Spanish commentator. Okay. Yeah, that's where he came from. That's he's where. Just, I, yeah, that's why. He's just but buddies he is, with them. Yeah, but he does really. I I love his demeanor, and he fits with them. Like it fits. I just honestly Penta's wish sense. it was. I wish it was those three minus Pack, because that would make more sense. Well, like, would it? Like, because that's that's exactly what Andrade is trying to do. It's but, trying to be Andrade and and the Lucha Brothers. No, I want it to be the Lucha Brothers and Alex Abrahantes just as their manager slash talking mouth because they can't speak English. Pac doesn't make sense with this group because it's a British dude with two guys from Mexico. Like it doesn't it doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense to me. Like I. I think it should be the Lucha Bros and Alex Cabrantes make Death Triangle, and Pac should kind of just be, Pac. I don't know, part of fucking Jurassic Express or something. Who knows? Or he could just be Pac. You know, we could have a singles yeah. wrestler and just by himself, AEW. like the only dude by himself in AEW besides yeah. Cody Rhodes. Wait, no, Versus no, he's not. Miro. Yeah, Miro. Yeah, Miro's the only yeah. one who's alone right now. <laughs> you have yeah. one other singles wrestler. That's it. You get two, yeah. and then you're done. Anyway. Uh, we can move on to Orange Cassidy, Wheeler Yuta, and Chuck Taylor versus Private Party and Matt Hardy and his army, because that's can, what it can was. We to, can, can we skip this? I, oh, God. Okay, I, I, I'll give this one positive thing. I had to laugh at Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy gimmick at the beginning. That was funny. I, <laughs> God, you do such fucking marks for this guy. <laughs> I don't no, I, I don't like him. What he was, I only, I only like. It was so good. I only liked it in the fact of Matt Hardy batted his hands away, and then he was doing his delete. So then Orange Cassidy just held Matt Hardy's hand, so he couldn't do that. That was funny. The whole part where he grabbed Hardy's hand and put it in his pocket—that's when I stopped laughing. But the beginning, I that was funny. It's funny. I had to laugh at that. That's actually when I started laughing because everything else was just standard to me. And then when <laughs> he changed it up and grabbed his hands and put it in his own pocket, I was just like, eh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but I mean, the only other note I have is no officiating again. Like to have those, th- that little officiating back to back 
or not back to back, but almost back to back was what made this like one of the worst shows. Not as bad as uh, two weeks ago or last week, I should say, um, but still pretty terrible. And then the ref even counted the non-legal man in the match. They, yeah, yeah. they yeah. are fucking awful. Yeah, so. and the, and the thing that I hate too is we've seen them in other storylines where the ref didn't see the tag and it was legal, but he won't count the guy. This time, he literally didn't actually see the tag and he still counted because they knew that was the end of the match. It's actually worse than that. <clears throat> and the reason it's actually worse than that is because in this particular match, there was a moment where um, the guy from the other side pinned the wrong member of Private Party. Yeah, and, and he started... He counted the pin. Yeah, he well, he did count the pin, but then the announcers are like, "Oh, he's not the legal man anyway," and it was like, "Wait a minute, Jeff Hardy wasn't the legal man at the end." So if you're gonna point Matt. that out in the middle of the match, you mean Matt? You're right, Hardy. Jeff Hardy was yeah, legal. Not part of AEW. Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy. <laughs> I'm not the only one who screws up names. Oh man. Um, <laughs> today the role of Jeremy will be played by Peter Lindsay. Um, but uh, no, because it was like. You're going to point it out in the middle of the match, but then you're going to end the match the exact same way that you pointed out this was a problem. And I, I agree that was an issue. And I enjoyed this match more than you guys did. I also enjoyed it a lot more than the crowd did. So, like I said, I've been really paying attention to what the crowds were saying because you guys had said you couldn't understand them. <laughs> and the chants they were chanting during this match were insane. So, at one point... Okay, yeah, go ahead, because I'm, I'm really interested because yeah. I could not make out a single thing. At one point, they started chanting, we want water. And then, <laughs> not Wyatt, it was water? It was water. And then <laughs> immediately after that, they started chanting SPF, like sunproof protection. Or stun, sunproof factor, or whatever. Like sun protection factor, or whatever. It was like, why are you chanting, we want water and sunscreen? Like, I, I have no idea why they were chanting that. And then after SPF, they went dead silent for like a good three or four minutes until uh, somebody specifically came in. Chuck Taylor. When Chuck Taylor came in, they finally started cheering again. But from the sunblock chants to when Chuck Taylor came in, the crowd is I mean, you could hear a pin drop in the crowd. It was what, completely silent. What's is is Matt Hardy's group MHF like the Matt Hardy f- foundation what, what's his HFO. like slogan hfo hfo yeah hardy family organization or army family something and they were ch- family organization yeah. and they weren't chanting that no they were chanting spf huh and i i, I have no <laughs> idea why i just know that's what they were chanting yeah so anyway i and, i think well, that's hold it on, real quick. yeah i think it's gonna be fit well real quick we'll recap so earlier the darby allen and, and uh, Garcia match. Darby Allen won the match, and then for this one, Matt Hardy got the pin on. I think it was Wheeler Yuta. Yep, yep. So the Hardy family uh, won this match as well. So they and the, filled up the ring this, with their arms raised. Right. I will say the best part of that. There was one really good part about this match. We all got to see the bunny. That was the best part of this match. I mean, I'd put rather, that there. I'd rather see Chris Statlander. Yeah, I was just so. say, take, which we got to see. Say hey. that same <laughs> sentence, but with Chris Statlander instead, and I agree with you. She wasn't in the match. Well, she, no, she wasn't in the I match. Know. She was there, but she wasn't. She's in the, in the next match. Yeah, she is in the next match. But I said the best part of this match yeah. was that we got to see the bunny. I, but you don't like the bunny. 
You said she sucks. I like to he's look like at, her. at her. Oh, okay. She's a skinny blonde. Relax. He, he's into her. It's okay. All right, Vince, calm down. So we have Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. I don't. This was the, another problem in the the Hardy matches. Just Nyla Rose just comes out and attacks her, <laughs> just for no reason. Randomly, yeah, yeah. Well, but is Vicky, is, Vicky, is Vicky Guerrero going for like sonic damage now, just screaming at people? That's what I, it really felt like at one I point. I guess. In this match. Oh, I hate it. I did like how Nyla Rose did Chris Statlander's boop thing, but because it's Nyla Rose, she just went <laughs> and slammed her finger right into her face. I was waiting for her to break her nose doing that. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, um, It was an okay I, match. This I really thought Nyla was going to win because of the the earlier damage, so it was yeah. nice to see her lose. When they did... When Statlander did that, uh, they called it the Area 451. Is that like her... Yeah, that's her finisher. Where she grew up? No, no, no. It's like the 450 Splash, but because she's an alien, it's Area 51, so it's 451. Uh... <laughs> And then we, uh, the uh, Britt Baker promo in her amazing freaking gear to get the crowd behind her. So good. But Britt had to remind everybody that uh, Pittsburgh can't win anything except for her championship. So that was funny. Um, (laughs) But anyway, we're on to Adam's favorite segment because he loves both of these teams. Uh, The Impact (laughs) Impact Tag Championships. You know, the Dark Order and the Good Brothers. Here's what I'll say about this. This was not the worst match of the night. It really wasn't. Yeah, after, after <laughs> that six-man tag. Yeah, so here's here's how I label this in my notes. This is the Dork Order versus the Mediocre Bros. <laughs> Dude, Scott Demore sounded so goddamn bored during this match. He did. He was he trying to put it over so all. hard. Like, oh, this was bad. Like, like in terms of, like... What trying to sell this? They were just like, "What do you think of the Dark Order?" And he's like, "Yeah, we oh, yeah, they're love a world-class tag team." Like he's just so monotone the entire time. Like I'm watching this match, and I'm like, "Man, I hope the Dark Order doesn't win this match." Like more for Impact, I feel worse that they're their tag team champions. <laughs> like, and the only other note I have is Anderson just standing in the middle of the ring like a robot, broken, like. <laughs> It's just so much of that this week. I... Yeah. And, okay, uh, so the Good Brothers win this match and retain the Impact titles. Uh, we'll go back real quick because we didn't really talk about it, but Chris Tatler did defeat Nyla Rose as well. Said so that. I think that means she's the number one contender for the Women's Championship, right? Uh, they're Record building to that. I, I don't think she's number one on the ranking systems yet, but she's definitely going to be. She's probably going to have another match or two or maybe they'll they'll announce it next week i don't know because well, she hasn't lost since she came back from injury right but AEW does do a pretty good reset after a championship is defended so baker defended her championship on rampage so my guess is they're going to reset the division we're not going to get a number one contender for another week or two Maybe. I mean, they've only got a couple weeks till All Out, so I don't know if they're going to do Statlander for All Out or if they're going to do it later. No, she is in second place. Uh, looks like it's going to be Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker again before yeah, that. Uh, yeah. I'll take that first anyway. Yep. Yeah. And I hope Thunder Rosa wins so we get Thunder Rosa versus Chris Statlander because that'll be amazing too. I doubt <laughs> it. I bet Britt Baker will have this for close to a year. 
You're probably right. Plus, I'm just saying. Plus, she has to get she has to get her victory over Thunder Rosa because Thunder Rosa beat her in their street fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we move to Jericho versus Wardlow uh, for the fourth trial of Jericho. And I don't have any notes. I mean, Jericho's old and fat and can't wrestle anymore. Wardlow's new and can't really wrestle very well. This was a terrible match. It was seven power bombs, and then Jericho wins. Like it's, it was terrible. And I, I really hate the fact that on this by the second trial, I was like, okay, I can kind of see where they're going. We'll do this as a story, you know. Like I can give them props for that. And then these last two weeks, they have just pissed that right down the drain because I. If this doesn't show Jericho's ego, I don't know what will because these past two weeks have been pure, unadulterated shit from Jericho. Last week's match with Hoovitude was the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. And then this one was just Jericho stands there for five minutes to get powerbombed a bunch, then gets put into the corner, and then wins. Like, it's... This was... And it wasn't even like... It wasn't like bandaged up at all from all of his battles to sell like he's still fighting. He just looked old and fat and didn't do anything and then Yeah, he's not selling anything from the last two weeks. Nothing. So, question. I I unfortunately didn't get to see the end of AEW yet. So, I was under the impression that MJF was the special guest uh, referee. Did that not happen? No. He was just on ringside. No, no, he was no, at no, ringside. He was at ringside. That's right. Okay. That's right. All right. So, I mean, going back to the trials of Hercules um, and comparing this to that, um, I actually think that this does still maintain true to the storyline because, you know, I nerded out like Jeremy this week and actually went and read the stories of Hercules' trials. And so the elusive stag makes sense that it was Hoovitude because it's something that Jericho is not known for. And honestly, okay, yes, the Hoovitude match was bad, but that was the best, oh. that was the best Judas effect I had ever seen. The one off the top rope. That was easily the best Judas effect I've ever seen. Um, it actually looked like a finisher instead of looking like somebody just he fell st- over accidentally. <laughs> um, or like he stumbled backwards. Right, yeah. like it, it didn't look like tripping. It looked like an actual finishing move. But... Um, this one makes sense to me as the boar that he had to catch because he had to bring the boar back alive. And the story basically goes is Hercules went and talked to a friend to try to get advice as to how to bring this one back. And then while he was with that friend, he got attacked by like a multitude of, of enemies and had to fight them all off. And so the fact that it was just Jericho kind of standing in the ring, taking a whole bunch of power bombs and the fact that he was kind of fighting a two-on-one fight, which I did think that MJF was going to be a referee. I didn't think he was just going to be by ringside, but he still is there, right? So he's kind of fighting off two. It does still fall into the Boar trial. Right, and I had and I had said that uh, three weeks, two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't feel like it. Like, they're not really trying to work it in at all. And at, at, maybe it's part that the announcers aren't privy to the story, so they can't 
sell it. They can't work it in. Yeah. But like I said, the the one part that I really hated about this match is you could have made this a little bit more palatable if Jericho looks like he's been through damage and he hasn't. And he, yeah, it was just slow and and awful. I just I just couldn't get into it. Despite I I don't think Wardlow looked bad. Like he did all of those power bombs and stuff really well. It's just like the worst version of a Cena match ever. It's also one of those things where you know what's going to happen. Like, you know Jericho's winning the match. So, I don't know. Like, plus, I forget, I can't, I can't remember. What What happens if he beats MJF next? I, I, I think he just wants to beat MJF. Yeah, but isn't like, it if MJF beats him, he has to retire? Isn't that part of the stipulation? Like, there's no, something if MJF they, have to, they have to dissolve the inner circle. Yeah. Oh, again? Yeah, yes, it is all the. I think. I'm not even sure about that. Like, I can't remember. I can't even remember what the stipulation is because I just have zoned out on this thing so much. <laughs> and also, he, I'll say this only... too. Like, I, we even, we totally skipped this. MJF had a promo to start the show and we completely skipped it. Oh, it was good. It was. It, I forget. I don't even know. Sorry. I, yeah, I just don't put any notes yeah. in it because I just enjoy listening to him talk. Yeah, like I, like I totally skip. I didn't. I didn't either. But like, it's one of those things where like, I'm starting to care so little about this story that it's like, You're even starting. MJF is hard to follow. Like, yeah. that's the sad part. Is I love MJF, but this whole thing with Jericho is just destroying him and dragging him down so much. Yeah. yeah, he should be getting built up to be contending with like Kenny for the title, or I, like Adam Page for the title. Like he should be in that regard, not what the fuck is he doing wasting time with Chris Jericho? I think it's really telling in how much your opinion of the overarching portrayal of characters has changed, and I mean you throughout. AEW's history and my talking to you have kind of always been down on Jericho's interaction and his his wrestling in AEW, but when we really came in, you were just like, I really love Jericho, and I'm really happy he's here, and I want to see Jericho. And then you were like, oh, well, MJF's just this new guy, and whatever, and then he won you over with promos, and now this entire storyline is making you lose a guy who, coming into AEW... Honestly, your opinion of him was super low. He won you over with his promos and matches over the last two years, and now he's losing you. And I think that's actually really a good telling to show how this storyline is playing out like crap. Now, I'm a stupid mark. I'm still going to watch, and I still eat up MJF every day of the week, but I completely agree about Jericho. Like, he needs to quit or needs to take a good six months off and train because he's lost it. He doesn't have it anymore. It's gone. And me being a stupid mark for everything that is professional wrestling, and I'm saying that, is ridiculous. It, especially about a guy like Chris Jericho. Um, Who knows better. Yeah, exactly. Who's seen it? Like that. That's the sad part. That's what, what makes this worse, is he lived this in WCW. He's went through this, and now he is that that he hated so much why he left WCW to go to WWE. He's become those guys, and that's the worst part about it. 
that's what makes it hurt more. Because I used to love Chris Jericho. Like, I even in like I didn't get a chance to watch him in WCW, but when I did get to go back and see his WCW stuff, I really liked it. It's just I I don't get it. I don't know if it's just the ego that he thinks that he's indestructible and he still can do all this. I don't know if it's Omega and the Bucks trying to tell him he can still do it. I don't know if it's Dave Meltzer. I don't know what it is, it, but it's sad. It's sad to watch. Yeah. I, I don't want. I feel him. like. I feel like he is a younger version of Flair because Flair did this forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm and I'm not talking like Flair in like 2000 and, and, and three when we were watching at your house. I'm talking Flair when he went to TNA and was still trying to wrestling in like 2007 and eight and 10 after he had already retired twice and was still trying to get in the ring. All of this echoes like Flair because they still love wrestling, they still like being in the business, and they can't accept the fact that, like, look, you're just done doing the end ring thing, that which is fine. I just I look at this entire goddamn roster that they have. You don't need to wrestle, but you can still be there. Here's the thing, though: like, is, is Impact Wrestling is the place to go for a wrestler who doesn't want to quit. But should they have like an Rhino? entire section for that? Yeah, Rhino and D'Lo Brown and Johnny Swinger, uh, Johnny Swinger and Tommy RVD. Dreamer and RVD. They have an entire section that is basically, for the most part, removed from the rest of the roster, and they do their own thing and basically have their own show on Impact, where they get to do whatever they want to. And he should just go there and do that. It, he shouldn't be doing it on this show. But you know what I hurts think- worse? Listening to Jericho on commentary on AEW oh, my like, Rampage. <laughs> oh, I love Jericho on commentary. I'm not gonna. Oh no, he is off. Here, here, okay, here's here's the biggest problem. When he was on commentary, like randomly on Dynamite, I didn't like him. Now on Rampage, you have four people talking, and one of those guys you literally hired less than like a month ago to be on your commentary team. But Jericho is so full of himself and talks all the time. I think Mark Henry said like five words on the entire goddamn show. See, I don't think Jericho is going to be a repeat announcer, is he? No, that is the announce team. Four guys. And and we, and and, and to, to, to stick with our guns, we hated these multi-man announced teams in, in WWE and to have four guys on a one-hour show this is Jericho inserting himself where he doesn't need to be Chris Jericho on this commentary team is like Vicky Guerrero the male version of Vicky Guerrero he just screams his voice time. is awful and again he he doesn't know like he's a heel but then he's not but uh, he was all over the place I I, I did not I didn't honestly hate the matches, but I hated listening to Jericho. No. The only the only thing I, I gotta say though is when Jericho was complaining about ego during the Kenny Omega match was just peak irony. I loved hearing that because that was so funny. And then he was yelling at Mark Henry about how many belts do you have when he was talking about Kenny Omega and, yeah. and Mark Henry just says the only belt I have holding up my pants. Dude, yeah. Mark Henry is awesome. I want to hear more of Mark oh, Henry. For as little he said, I he was funny. Yeah. yeah. It was in, he was enjoyable. And everyone else was all right. It was just Jericho just destroyed. He it. he eclipsed everyone 
the entire show, and it was terrible. Um, but to so talk about the first match, first uh, match we have real quick, just we'll intro, yeah. we'll kind of do an intro for it. First match was Christian versus Kenny Omega for the Impact World Championship. Honestly, I have to give. Omega credit because I've been saying this whole time. I didn't think he'd drop a single belt until the year was over. I thought he would hoard everything. Um, the fact he agreed to drop the belts, I'm like, all right. I mean, I'll 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 take the L and admit that I got proved wrong. But my question is, does this show how weak Impact's roster is? The fact that yes. Kenny losing the impact to a non-impact wrestler, and now Christian's going to be on both shows, I, uh, I mean, not great. I mean, you could make the same argument about uh, John Moxley dropping the title to Lance Archer, and we never made that argument. Now, uh, I see what you're saying, and where I come from is... I guess Kenny Omega doesn't care about the Impact Wrestling Championship because I do not see him dropping the IGWP or whatever it's called. Belt AAA title? You mean the AAA Mega title? He's got the AAA title. I thought it was a Japanese title. I'm sorry. Yeah, AAA. I don't see him dropping the AAA title, and I don't see him dropping the AEW title. Oh, yeah. He won't. This was the one he didn't care about. I think also the difference between Omega dropping the Impact title and us talking about it, and Moxley dropping the IWGP US title, or New Japan, whatever. Lance Archer is part of New Japan. He's wrestled in New Japan. He's been in New Japan recently. Christian hasn't been an impact. Yeah. I mean, that's fair, but um, on the other hand, l- look how kind of crazy everything is right now, because cause, cause not only did we have an impact title change hands on AEW. We have a NWA women's title being promoted on AEW because an AEW wrestler is going to challenge for that. Then over on impact, you have new Japan matches for championships going to be defended on an impact show. And you, and you, and you both have wrestlers from impact and AEW wrestling for stuff over in new Japan because you have people like Jay White now on both shows. So anything can kind of happen. Like, that's the only upside I see this. Like, because all these promotions are now help, helping each other, it, it makes everything a lot less predictable. Well, and you also have had New Japan titles defended on AEW TV, too. Yeah. So, like, who knows what we'll see. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, you, you're right in worrying in the fact that he might just go, I got my money piece. But with as interesting as the current field is, I, I don't think he will. I hope you're right. Because it made me, I liked watching him win. And the finish was, was awesome. Awesome he finish. sold the absolute hell out of that um, kill switch. The on chair the shot. It was such a good sell on that. And when they even showed the replay, it was, you can't tell that it was pulled. You can't tell. <laughs> it was, it was his away. hand wasn't this far yeah. away from his head. No, not at all. It wasn't like, uh, there was there was nothing about that move that made me think it didn't actually happen. And I know it didn't. I know it was staged. I know he saw it coming. I know it was pulled. But 
just watching it in real time and then watching the slow motion replay, the sell of that kill switch was so perfect in that moment. I loved the ending, but at the same time, I got this down feeling like it was like, okay, that's, this is just why Christian's here. That's what he's going to do. With I'm going to disagree with Oh, I'm ahead. gonna disagree with you. To well, when a point. do you not? Well, that's part of the fun, though, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be boring if we agreed all the time on everything. You so mean, like, the, the finish would be a faster show. <laughs> it would be actually. Uh, so the finish was all right. The setup was fucking terrible. With it them getting the chair to the ring. Yeah, the, the getting the chair into the ring and the bucks coming out was. Callus distracting the ref for like a minute was bad. That was terrible. That was poorly timed. Like the fi- the the actual move and finish itself was all right, but okay. I I see your point to that. But if we look at the last Kenny Omega match we watched, the six man <laughs> match, which admittedly I really liked, but the worst spot in that match was when Kenny Omega teased the low blow. And the referee willingly turns his back as a competitor is teasing a low blow, uh, the legal move. He's like, oh, I'm going to do a legal move. Oh, I'm going to do a legal move. And the guy who's supposed to enforce this just goes, okay, I won't look at you. Go ahead and do it. So at least there was like an excuse for it happening this time. Like it yeah, didn't make any never... sense the last time it happened. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true too. But that's also part of Kenny Omega is most of his shit doesn't make sense because he doesn't know what he's doing. But it's one of those things where there's no way you're going to distract the referee like that for like for that long of a time and not bury the referee. Well, yeah, it made, it made Brian Hebber it made anyway. Brian Hebber look stupid. I don't know if he'll leave anywhere because my biggest thing is honestly, I see this championship being passed around AEW more than I do Impact. I feel that, and I'll and I'll I'll probably I'll put this down now. I feel that Christian will drop the belt to W Marcy, uh, probably before the year's over. Oh God! If they have to make that dude their champion, they're in worse shape than I thought. On to uh, All right. you. Yeah, that's, next... that's that's enough of the C list promotion. So uh, <laughs> we'll move on to the Fuego del Sol. Fuego del Sol versus Miro for the TNT title, and if the stipulation was if Fuego del Sol won the match, he would get an AEW contract, which I didn't know he didn't have a contract. He's been, I've seen his name on All Dark a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I confuse I him also with Serpentico, so I thought he was <laughs> Serpentico, and then they're like, oh, he's going to get a contract. And I was like, Serpentico? Oh, wait, I just said Serpentico. I didn't say Fuego <laughs> to Sol. <laughs> I was like, he has one. Oh, wait. I think this match was, what, 10 wrestling moves total? Most of which were tornado DDTs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't. I think Miro only did like three moves this entire yeah. match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my only note was, I'm like, yep, that's about right. How that should have happened. Yeah, I mean, and then <laughs> then he still got a contract. Then he still he gets lost a contract. the match. Yeah. Yeah. he and, lost the match and still got a fucking contract. It's bullshit. And, and the thing that real and the thing that goes back into my earlier rant was. He comes out and gets a contract from Sammy Guevara, and they're like, oh, it's his best friend, and his dreams come true. And I'm like, oh, this really is the NWO, where if you have a buddy, you can just get a job. Yeah. Like, it. here's the like, thing. I, I know they wanted the feel-good thing for the show, but I'm like, 
that doesn't help in the long run. If you're just like, yeah, if you're just buddies with a guy, you get a job. Here's what I would have done to rebook the end of this match. When Miro almost got counted out, I would have had Miro get up, act like he was going to get back in the ring, and then think twice about it, give Fuego del Sol the finger, then wait to be counted out, then go put him in the accolade, give him the Mashka kick, put him in the accolade, do everything else he did after he got back in the ring, but do it after the match happened. So the Why? last thing, because the last thing that would have happened is Miro grabs the microphone and goes, yes, I let you win because I want to beat you again, sign your contract, and then thrown it at him and walked off. And then, welcome to AEW, yeah, bitch. Yeah, welcome to AEW where I live. And then just, or the house that Miro built, whatever he wants to say. Like, it just basically says, yes, I let you win so you'd get this contract so I can kick your ass as many times as I want. Here's your freaking contract. And then walks off with his title. I think that would have been a better ending. I mean, if you're gonna for if you're gonna give him a title, if you're gonna title, if you're gonna give him a contract anyway, I guess. But like, I like the way it ended better because Miro doesn't give a fuck. He's gonna destroy anyone in front of him, so he's gonna take the win. He's not gonna lose on purpose. He's gonna kick the dude's ass in front of him and then move on to the next guy. Right, but with the championship advantage, he wouldn't have lost the belt, and he would say, "I want to kick your ass." He's not gonna take a loss on his, but he's not gonna take a loss on his record. Or another way to save this segment. We'll still have Sammy Guevara do this whole thing with Fuego, and Miro comes back out and goes, "What the fuck are you talking about? Why?" You? And then he comes out and just crushes both of them, setting up a Sammy Guevara versus Miro feud for the title. Yeah, yeah, but you can't do that because then Sammy Guevara's in the inner circle shit, and we're gonna have that come back up here pretty soon, I bet. Right, we're gonna have to, have, or we have the entire inner circle fighting Miro. Miro, and he well, beats them all. <laughs> although. Honestly, if he rips through every single member of the inner circle just to get to Sammy Guevara and then goes, see, I am God's favorite champion. I beat everyone in the inner circle just to get to you because God willed it. I am the redeemer. God led me through the nine circles to get to you. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah, I I mean, I'd go with that. See, there's so many ways to salvage this and they just don't do anything. Well, because next week it's Sammy Guevara versus Sean Spears. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. I don't care about Sean. Like, I used to care about Sean Spears. I don't care about him anymore. I cared about Ty Dillinger. I don't care. Yeah, I like Ty Dillinger. Yeah. So, as we stated, Mira won this match outright, but Fuego Dos Sol still got the contract. Bad booking. This could have been done so much better. Yep. And then we move on to the main event of the night. Match of the night. DMD versus Red Velvet for the Women's Championship. And And it would have been match of the night had it been anyone else in this match except for Red Velvet. Because Red Velvet sucks. Really? So bad. Red Velvet is so bad. Like, she didn't have anything in this match. Now, she just didn't. I hate to, I hate to say this. I, I've seen way, like, because again, I watch Dark and Elevation when I can. Uh, there are way worse women than Red Velvet there's also, right now. There's also way better that this could have been. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't see having that. The number one contender match beating the drag of Dark and Dark Elevation doesn't equal a title match. The problem with, with Red Velvet is Red Velvet was not getting a push until Brandy Rhodes got pregnant. She yeah. is the pseudo stand-in for Brandy Rhodes. I'm not saying Brandy Rhodes is a good wrestler. I'm saying at the time that Red Velvet started getting her push, 
because Brandy Rhodes became pregnant, Brandy Rhodes was the better wrestler of the two. That is all I'm saying. But Red Velvet basically replaced Brandy in the women's division for the push that Brandy was getting at the time. Because, as we've pointed out many times in this episode, she's friends with the Rhodes family, so they're going to push her. And she was the only female that was heir apparent when Brandy was out of the picture. And Our brand, me, Brandy let's, Rose. Let's not, let's not mince it. She was the only black female that was there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to go that far, but like, yeah. I, I don't I mean, want I, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of what it is, though, because there's so many others that were better than her right. that should be in the spot. Yeah, I mean, you've got Jade Cardwell, but she was already pitted against um, the, Rhodes already, family. Yeah, the Rhodes family, so she wouldn't have made sense to pigeonhole in that spot. But the right. thing is, is is Red Velvet is not very good on the mic, and she is worse in the ring. And she's slow, she's clunky, she doesn't... She's I don't, dangerous. I don't think she botches that much. I did, yeah, I she almost think kills she herself botched. more than anything else. Yeah, but I just think she's slow, and she's clunky, and she's inexperienced, and had no business being in a title match yet. She needed another, at least another year under her belt. Before she got this match, yeah, you don't like her like, freaking moonsault. Yeah, mm. yeah, I had nothing. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, re- I thought this match was pretty good. I like. I also liked the fact that they knew she wasn't going to get cheered for. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. So it, it, I was gonna say, going back to match of the night, like this, this kind of hurts me to say, but the match of the night was very clearly Christian versus Kenny Omega. Very clearly, that was the match of the night for this one. I agree. Kenny Omega had a great match. Christian Cage had a good match with the job guy. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. I'm... <laughs> yeah. But no, it was, it was. I mean, it wasn't a terrible match, but I think this also this match shows how good Britt Baker is to carry someone in a match. Yeah. yeah. And going back to when we were talking about Kenny selling the... Uh, Kill switch chair on the shot. chair. Yeah, the kill switch on the chair. Um, I wanted to say this, and honestly, I thought it was uh, a WWE match. But when Britt goes to do the stomp on the belt at the end, you can clearly see Velvet put her hand over the title. And she doesn't put it over the championship. She puts it over one of the side pieces of it. And then her head doesn't go straight down. She forces her head to go down to her hand. And so you can really sell or see that Velvet obviously did not hit the belt. She hit her own hand if she made contact with anything. And so going back to the selling of the, the chair shot, this was so the exact opposite in that moment. And I know it was after the match and whatever, but they even replayed it. And when they replay it again, you can see from that angle, her hand goes right in front of her face and her head goes to the side to hit her hand to make sure she doesn't hit the belt. And I understand that's a safety thing, but at the same time, you could have sold it better. There had to have been a better way to sell it than that. Yeah. yeah. And then to, to get Adam's bugabear all, all mad again, they come back and help somebody help Britt Baker, and nobody knows who the hell she is. 
Yeah, like so Britt Baker wins the match, and then yeah, well they said her name like three or four times. I couldn't understand yeah. what they were saying. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Hater. Hater. Okay. And I'm like, who that was my note. I'm like, who the hell is this? They said their her name five times and I can't understand what the fuck they're saying. The best thing about it was when she took her hat off and she looks at the camera like I'm supposed to know who she is. And she just looks at looks at the camera with that look on her face like, yeah, I'm that bitch. And it's just like, who? <laughs> um, Pete will remember her from a January 3rd episode of 2020 on NXT UK where she made an special appearance uh, losing to Piper Nevin. Uh, Piper Nevin more, uh, fought in NXT UK? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know she was yeah, in UK. Well, and they were, I, I, I can hear you making a big deal. And I swear, I thought they said, like, she's back from injury. And I'm like, who? Yes. Who is she, this? They did. Yeah, she they did. she premiered. She was on the uh, back in 2019, like when they first started. But then she oh, got hurt. And she's been gone till now? Jesus Christ. Yeah. And yep. she looks at the camera like we're all supposed to know who she is. Like it's Becky Lynch no or something, idea. you know? Yeah. Like no idea who she was. It was like Okay. I'm glad it wasn't just me. That yeah. was my only biggest thing. I was like like they're making a big deal. I'm like, speak clearly. Like this is the one thing where I'll say I'll give JR credit. Usually whenever JR is saying who somebody is, I can understand what the fuck he's saying. I couldn't understand anybody. And I swear three separate people said her name and I understood nothing. Yeah. Like they mumbled through all of it. Yeah, but it was Jamie Hader was his, her name, but I have absolutely no memory of her existing before that moment. Yeah. yeah. But that is how they ended the show, and I guess that is how we're going to end our show this week for AEW. All right. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you guys on the other side. Bye-bye. Bye.